You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, by the way, to yes, everybody indeed. out there. Nothing like a soggy weekend that's going to get to 22 degrees today. Yeah, I know. What <laughs> In the Toronto. heck is going on? I know. So um, confusing. Uh, yeah, I got a little chore that I'm going to be doing right after the show. It's not a chore. You, you, uh, well, no, it's uh, it's an obligation, really, that oh, I've set for myself and yourself. Um, there is a food box set up at our reception desk here. In support of the Daily Food That's Bank. That's right. Yeah, Daily they, Harvest the CEO uh, of the food bank was on uh, Libby Zneimer's uh, fight back on Wednesday, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, they, they brought in a big food bank, uh, box. A food box. And uh, I'm going to run over and, there's and room in it. Yeah, yes. So we're going to fill it. You got it. Well, today, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, I, I got to call my bank manager. And, no, I'm going to get a couple of things to put in there, along, yeah. and I'll get some stuff for you, you too. Yeah. Well, I'm doing my other things. Yeah, there. you've yeah. got some recording to do. I yeah. do. But anyway, here yeah. we are on yes, a Thanksgiving indeed. weekend, and we. Uh, hey, let's just do a little update on that phenomenal party oh, that Frank heart. and Shirley hosted last Sunday at their place out in the country. Yes. The Cabin in the woods. It, it was, was so <laughs> much fun. Well, and it was so well organized, and it was just food was great, music was great. It was, it was the whole thing was just hats a, hats off. A super time. The music to uh, Malcolm Edwards mm. and his his pal. Um, Francis, who provided the, the music of the evening, and it was just great. But we had a marvelous time. Yeah. And thank you for coming. Oh, I, was, I, it was super. such a pleasure. To, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were afraid you weren't going to. Well, no, I should say that. Golly. Uh, let, me get the, let me get the phone numbers on the air here for the Garden Show. Yes. I've got to mention what the heck we're doing here. Yes. In Toronto, call 416 then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Uh, call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, gosh, let Sebastian know, our operator, and he'll pass that along to me. And just before you get the air, you're going to get your garden wings. Yes, indeed. Yeah, first-time callers. You will earn your wings exactly. by, by making that yeah. call. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the garden show, i uh, if you want to hear more about gardening and fall winter mm-hmm. garden tips, I'll be doing a special guest appearance with Bob Kosick on Monday, Thanksgiving Monday. Oh, great. Right around the noon hour, shortly afternoon. Uh, just, uh, you know, a few minutes of just things that I'm going to be doing in my garden oh, and, very good. and keeping people tuned into, you know, just doing the regular yep. maintenance, spring and fall. There's certain things we just have to do in order to really have successful gardens and safe gardens as well. Okay, maybe we can touch on a bit of that. Maybe. Uh, as little we teasers. <laughs> wind our way through, <laughs> okay. uh, through this uh, first day of the long holiday weekend. Wow. Yes. It's, it's going to be... Um, it's, it's always always the think of, of the families who are gathered around. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, Big travel weekend. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And so 
please be careful on the road. It's yes. going to be very busy. People yeah. going from, you know, grandma and grandpas to wherever. So yeah. sort of, take it cool. Huh? That's right. Well, uh, one announcement to make also, Riverdale yep. Horticultural Society is hosting a meeting on Wednesday, October 10th, with a flower show and special guest Darren Heimbecker. He's the musician, storyteller, and landscape designer who created Whistling Gardens, which is just oh, outside yeah. Wilsonville. The, the Riverdale Hort meets at 7 o'clock in the Frankland Community Center, mm-hmm. which is at 816 Logan Avenue, just south of the Danforth. Okay, there we are. Okay. Uh, and we'll be uh, busy with the rest of our uh, show and, uh, of course, the callers. And the emails, they're piling up, up here, baby. We're going to have to share <laughs> some of these emails to, at some point. Have to deal with some of that, you're right. <laughs> Monica, out there in Oakville, we're coming at you in just a couple of moments. Okay, stay tuned to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's take a little trip out to Oakville and have a word with Monica. Hi, Monica. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good Good morning, morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Really enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, As a nature lover, I wanted to share with you a couple of observations and see if perhaps you can uh, uh, give me some answers as to why things are happening a little differently out there Mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, My husband and I uh, do a lot of walking around the nature trails in the area, Mm -hmm. and we're blessed with a lot of beautiful black walnut trees as well as chestnuts. Mm -hmm. Now, this year, um, the traditional black walnuts all over the trails has simply not happened. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't any whatsoever. And um, the same is true of the chestnuts. In fact, the chestnuts seem to have a, mm. some sort of a blight with their leaves. They're, they're yeah. brown and curled yeah. at the edges. And that actually happens pretty much every summer, but it's really obvious this year. It's called scorch, chestnut scorch. It, it's, a, it's a syndrome, I guess is what it would be. It happens oh. at the end of the summer, and it's really from the sun, the heat in the sun. So would one, that contribute to the lack of uh, fruit on the trees? No. What would contribute to lack of fruit would be lack of flowering back in the spring. And so what we find with so often with plants that are fruit-bearing, uh, and in this case, yeah, like the fruit that are nuts, take a ton of energy to create is that they they are do tend to be cyclical so i'm not a hundred percent sure but i would um think that likely the black walnuts and chestnuts bore very heavily last year and are bearing virtually nothing this year oh uh, well that could well be mm. there's a I butternut that's why in, i notice it so much now yeah, i'm wondering if this is perhaps a link to lack of bees or on the other hand all of a sudden the squirrels are very, very aggressive this sure. year. Is it because they're not getting any black walnuts? Because uh, well, they eat them like crazy. Well, I was going to say, that I have a butternut in my neighborhood, and, and the squirrels just rape and pillage this tree. And my backyard is full of butternut debris right now because it did it has borne a lot of fruit. And all the casings An and the husks, are, you, like, you can break <laughs> your leg stepping into my backyard because there's so much junk on the patio from the, the squirrels dropping all the butternut yeah, stuff. Yeah. So... Um, um, yes, the, you're right. The squirrels are definitely looking to, you know, dig and hide whatever they can. They're they're all about preparing for winter. 
So I've been making you... a real mess of all my planters on my patio, looking for things or burying things that are not there. Burying so I just things. wondered if it was because they were frustrated by the lack of black walnuts. Well, no, they could, they could be burying things that are there. Like, you're just not necessarily seeing what they're burying. But yes, <laughs> indeed, they are making a real mess. I mean, if you if you are concerned, you can always get the old corn cob. You know, they get sort of corn, dried corn, which is a great squirrel food. They have to sort of gnaw away at that or peanuts. My, but mind you, they're probably going to just bury them all in your planters anyway. So, you know, there's, there's well, that. Well, I go out every morning and I put all the dirt back in the planter. Yeah, me too. Me <laughs> and too. then they do that same thing again. And, they, and the plants go flying. Yeah. I know, they're little... <laughs> Well, some, uh, I'm thinking chicken wire next year on top of the planters as I'm planting. But so you don't uh, think it has anything to do with lack uh, of bees, lack of fruit, and uh, so forth? No, typically. I mean, we have had some very interesting growing seasons the last few years. And certainly, <clears throat> this year has actually been a pretty good one. We had lots of heat, but we had lots of moisture mm-hmm. with that heat. The year before, like last uh, 2017, it was extremely long, cold, drawn-out spring. And, and then it just continued to be a very, very moist and cool summer to the point where the leaves didn't even drop it like we never had a proper frost so everything could go to sleep so no real proper dormancy set in and so there's a a lot of impact on trees from what happened in 2017 uh, in terms of all that moisture a lot of cracking bark because so much moisture was still in the above ground plant parts when it did get cold in January so yeah every season is a new season and everything impacts everything so you're thinking that the next year we're going to see our black walnuts back? In. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, Let us know for sure. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. A couple of interesting observations there as we get rolling along in this Saturday morning, which is coming up kind of cloudy right now. And boy, it was kind it rainy. Kind of wet, yeah. Ooh. Man, a ton of rain has fallen already today. Yeah, but it's going to clear up. Yep. The sun is going to come out, and it's going to be 22 degrees. Unbelievable. Silly. Mm-hmm. Christine, up in Ottawa. Hey, nice. good morning, Christine. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Christine. I love your program. You. I just think you're brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Charlie, I have a question for you. I have a four-foot Alberta spruce uh-huh. on my balcony. Oh, my. Do I take care of it in winter? Is it brand new? Brand new. What direction does your balcony face? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Do you Let see me... the sun in the morning or in the afternoon or at all? Uh, afternoon. Okay. So you're probably facing west. Right. Is it a pretty windy balcony, or do you have like a solid uh, barricade on the wall? The uh, you know the it's hand? very high up. It's a penthouse, yeah. so it's like twenty-two floors up. Oh my! So you probably do have a fair amount of wind then. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Do you have any friends on the lower levels? <laughs> no, nobody, Charlie. Uh, could you sneak that? Oh, four foot's pretty big. Because I was going to say, could you sneak that plant down and, and tuck it into the garden down at ground level just for the winter? Like, leave it oh, in its... Oh, I see. Okay. You mean a garage? Well, you leave it in its pot, of course. Yes. Uh, the garage is probably going to be too warm. What right. You need, what you need is a spot that is still outside, right. but protected from all that cold wind wind, that northwest yes. wind. Yes. So if there's some little corner maybe around a, a, an existing garden or in a garden where you could actually place the pot, in a best case, you'd actually bury the pot just oh, under the I ground. See. 
in in outside mm. underground, and it would have a very high chance of survival. I'm afraid. Oh, Charlie, I can't leave it inside. No, no, it wants to be. It's an evergreen, and it's right. It's a. It wants to be outside. It will drop all its needles and shrivel up and die inside. Yeah. So, Charlie, what is your best advice? Get, keep it outside. Just try and find a spot where it's out of extreme wind, which will cause it to dry up and die. So I, get it, up, Charlie. Pardon? Cover it up with a sackcloth or something? Yeah, a burlap would help. And water, water, water. You're going to have to water every month with just room temperature water throughout the entire winter. Okay, thank you, okay. Charlie. Right. Thank, you're welcome. So thank good. you, thank you, Christine. <laughs> Calling from that's, Ottawa. That's with a, a challenging one. A, a lot warmer uh, air up there. Hot well, air. You might 22 say. Twenty-two <laughs> floors in Ottawa. Yeah, it, yeah. It, facing west is a that's, chilly that's environment. A problem, you know, for an, for an evergreen because mm. the evergreen will we call that desiccation. It's really it's a form of dehydration. Just can't cope right. with all that sun and wind, etc. Okay. So hopefully. Christina, let us know how this works out okay. next March or April. All right. I'm looking up at our monitor. We have several calls uh, waiting on us, so we must take a little bit of a break here on The Garden Show, and then we'll be back to get out to Burlington to say hi to Nancy next up here on The Garden Show with... Uh, am I right? <laughs> oh, somebody, somebody disappeared there. Yeah, okay. Be, oh, a first-time caller, Larry. Oh, get uh, your from arm North going. York. All right. I'll get my bell ready in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, here comes the bell. Woo! Welcome. That is for Larry in North York. First time. Hello and good morning, Charlie. How are you? Excellent. How are you, Charlie? I heard you maybe hundred, maybe thousand times. I didn't have time to talk to you because it was busy. Shortly, I am not very successful in how to winterize some plants, okay. particularly dahlia flower, mm-hmm. gladiol flower, mm-hmm. and stevia. Hmm. I am probably four or five of these roots are dead at springtime. Four or five of them are growing. Oh. What I do wrong? Do you want well, to see well, how, no, or hear how I preserve them? Well, let me, so Dahlia, Gladiola, and what was it, Cliv- was it Clivia? What was the third one? Stevia, oh, natural sweetener. Gotcha, okay. So here, let me tell you what I would do, since you've got three questions really going on there. So, Dahlia and Glads are both examples of tender um they're not really tubers, but they're plants that grow in the summer in our gardens, but will die if we leave them out all winter, and but will go dormant if they're pr- allowed to get a first frost. So let the dahlia and the glads get frosted. The top growth will shrivel up and die. You must dig them up with a fork, careful not to damage them at all at that time, and dry both of them just on some newspaper uh, in the garage or on a porch, not inside, just cool dry spot, give them a couple days, and then you shake the soil off as much as you can. They are both 
stored exactly opposite to each other. Gladiola are stored dry, so you get an old pair of pantyhose or um, a ba- an onion bag, something like that. Throw the, not throw, but gently place the gladiola corms into those bags, hang them up somewhere in the dark. Doesn't need to be cool, just needs to be dark and dry. Hang them up, forget about them. The dahlia, on the other hand, need to be stored moist. So you get some fresh potting soil or peat moss that's never been used before, moisten it, bury the dahlias in the, after you sort of clean some of that mud off and cleaned up the foliage, the dahlia tubers go down under that moist peat moss or, or um, um, you know, potting soil, whatever the case may be, which keeps them in the dark because we need them dark, otherwise they'll grow, and you just leave them alone for the winter. Every now and then check, make sure there's enough moisture to keep them alive, but not too much moisture that they start to rot. Uh, and then round about March or April, we pull them out of the, the dark there, pot them up into pots, and the dahlias will start to grow in pots inside, hold the glads, take them outside once we're almost frost-free, so May sometime. And stevia, I would just treat as a tropical plant, as a house plant. Don't try and make it go dormant, bring it in in the fall before frost, trim it back, get it in a sunny location, and enjoy it as a houseplant on your window ledge, nipping little bits now and then to put into your tea or whatever you're hoping to, to sweeten with the, with the stevia. There you go. Larry, that, that's a, a lot long of, answer. <laughs> uh, well, a lot, of, but it uh, uh, gives me an opportunity to mm-hmm. plug the podcasts, mm-hmm. which we have here. If you want to hear all of that again, Larry. <laughs> and slow if, it down. Yeah, <laughs> slow it down a little bit. Uh, by all means, check out, and maybe uh, by Wednesday we'll have the podcast of today's show mm-hmm. up and running on our website. And just go to AM740, the main page. It'll direct you to the podcasts. Then you go to which week you want to... You can the listen Garden to Show. Years there are several of, podcasts. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, go to the uh, Garden Show and pick, mm-hmm. pick any show you want. That's right, and you can re-listen to it and be able to follow along maybe a little more closely because there's a heck of a lot of information yeah. there. Okay, Larry. Thanks for calling, though. Yeah, Don't very good. Be a stranger. First time caller. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, Hal in Kitchener is next up here. Good morning, Hal. Well, good morning, you guys. Good morning. I uh, have a question on lupins. Mm-hmm. I've had lupins for. Many, many years. Mm -hmm. And last year they did extremely well. I get maybe 100, Mm. well, I'm exaggerating, 50 to 60 Mm -hmm. flower shoots or whatever you call them, stalks. I've got all kinds of plants all over the place, front, back, side, the house. And they do extremely well. Last year they did well. Mm -hmm. This year they didn't do hardly anything. I had maybe 8 or 10 plants. I mean plants. Well, like you're saying, yeah, blooming flower stalks. Now, there could have been some young plants that weren't yet blooming in mixed in amongst your other garden plants, because partly what the lupins are doing, excuse me, is they are growing from seed because there is seed being broadcast. Yes. During that that growing season and towards the end. But also the plants died down after they seed. Yeah. They shrivel up. Yeah. This year. They look like they're just starting in spring. Yeah. They're beautiful. They're sending up new shoots, all kinds of stuff. The plants are beautiful yeah. right now Jeez. in my, all over, all the plants, front, back, side. I know, and this is so, you know what, Hal, your question is very consistent with our first caller, Monica, 
calling from Oakville who was wondering about, you know, the lack of black walnuts this yeah, year yeah. And, and the squirrels are, you well, know, making havoc. So I got two chestnut trees, too, and, mm-hmm. and my squirrels went wild. But did you have chestnut on? Chestnuts oh, absolutely. On? Yeah. Tons of them. Right. So you see, that's where Monica might have missed the fact that the walnuts and chestnuts were there, but they're raped and pillaged yeah. now by the squirrels, and she, she missed yeah. the fact. So that, well, I, mean, I like lupins, and I just wonder <clears throat> me too. what the heck happened, and why are they now starting to look like they're going to produce? Well, because they're confused, and you oh. know, they're, I don't blame them for being the confused. The changing and all it's that stuff, 20... it's not like down east anymore, where I got them right. from. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's not that long ago that I remember summer was hot, and fall was cool, and winter was cold, and yeah. it kind of yeah. moved like that. Now, I just find that we're doing these, like today is 22 degrees, That's yeah, crazy. and tomorrow is something else. And it totally confuses the plants, not to mention the insects. Think of well, the, the bees, they should be fast asleep, or going to sleep at this point. I might point. have some flowers yet this year. Buzzing around. It looks like there's flowers coming. Yes, you may. Exactly. That's the, what's going to happen. If it stays mild, like, or if we do maintain some mild temperatures. Yeah. So, don't, I mean, don't give up, obviously, because what oh, happened... I, I love Lupin. Yeah, and remember what happened last year, just with all that rain and, and cool in 2017, and then it got very cold in January, and we really didn't have any snow cover. So yeah. you know that some seeds probably were destroyed in January when that very cold snap happened. I collect uh, hundreds and hundreds of seeds all over the place. When That's... I go east, I collect Oh, seeds. nice. Yeah. Mm. We have a garden here. I mean, a, a, a city garden right. area where they have lupins, and yeah. I'm allowed to go in and collect seeds from there. Oh, good. Oh, you're a lupin guy. That's I've got... Good. Uh, Probably 500 seeds here at home now. Nice. Well, that and that's good that you're able to grow them because I find lupins a little challenging. They they want sun. They want well drained soils. They want a whole bunch of things that sometimes it's hard to give them. So good for you. Okay, thank you Thanks very much. Thanks for calling, Hal. Yeah, and indeed. Again, report back. I need to know how this all unfolds. Exactly. You want to get the end of the story too. Yeah. Exactly. Um, gee, uh, we've got a couple of lines open right now. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, of course, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4... Pardon me, 740-4740. Yeah, you can read it upside down. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Gee whiz. Sometimes the old noggin just doesn't... Operate properly. It's mouth-brain hmm. connection. You That's know? right. It's like hand-eye coordination. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rosalie in Hamilton. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you today? Good. Good morning. Good. Um, I have a question. We have a lavender plant, mm-hmm. and it, there had been moved, so we had put it in a pot to take it with us. Mm-hmm. So it's in a pot now, and we took it in the house because that one night was going to be really cold. I wasn't sure if it was going to survive or not. So I'm just wondering, how do I keep it so that we'll have it next year? Okay, so did you say you're actually moving your home? Or? No, no, we had, had oh, moved. Oh, okay. So, so it's come with you. You're in your... We put in a, in a big pot. And sure. It, and it's bloomed. Yep. It should not be inside your home if you want it to survive the winter. It is a... Pl- well, assuming that it is a perennial lavender, you don't know what lavender it is. Is there a tag on it? Uh, no, there's not. I know... Um, I mean, last year in the winter, it sort of died down, and then mm-hmm. it came back in the spring. Okay, so you've had it for a couple of years. So chances are it's what we would call it's either Munstead or, or one of the hardier lavenders. So what are you going to do? You need to get it outside. It's in a large pot, you say. Um, is there any possibility you could remove it from the pot and put it in the ground before winter? Or you uh, want to keep it in the pot? 
Well, it's, the thing is, we don't have a place to put it in the ground because we have places where there's bulbs. So when mm-hmm. we try to dig to put something in the ground, we end up all our bulbs. So. Okay. So. It is, remember, colder above ground than it is in the ground when it comes to potted plants. Okay. So the roots are better insulated when they're down underground and have a higher chance of survival because of that. Okay. So that's one of the reasons I'm just wondering if you could get it in the ground. If you can't get it in the ground, you don't have space or it's just not ever going to go in the ground, mm-hmm. find a spot on your property that is protected from the northwest wind. So look to the southeast quadrant as a as a, a little corner you can tuck that pot into. Okay. Um, it doesn't you don't particularly want a lot of sun beating down on it, but you definitely don't want a lot of wind beating away at it either. Okay. Um, if possible, depending on what kind of pot it's in, mm-hmm. look for ways that you could insulate around the pot, whether it's a couple of straw bales or old blankets or burlap or you know bags of leaves. Sometimes I'll just do green garbage bags filled with leaves uh, around a pot. Just because you're just trying to protect those roots from freezing solid and dying. Okay. Make sure also that the plant has been well watered as we do get into freeze up. So that's still obviously a few weeks, if not months from now. We hope. um, yeah, yeah, and 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 it's just there's so little consistency to our winters. I mean, if we lived in Collingwood, we would say, okay, we know we've got snow coming, we know we've got that insulating blanket mm-hmm. coming, mm-hmm. but in Toronto, we don't know that. Mm-hmm. We might get snow, we might get rain, we might get ice, we might mm-hmm. get 22 degrees in December. Like we don't know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you, you want the plant to go dormant, and you want it to stay dormant, mm-hmm. and you want it to not be subjected to extreme cold. Okay, is the so- bottom line. So the best thing would be to try to find a spot and dig it into the ground. That would, that be, the would be the best, best. survival. Yeah, if that's that. not a possibility, just yeah. protect it in the southeast corner yeah. Yeah. Um, with something around it. Okay. That's right. Okay. All right. Good luck with that. Yeah, I hope so, because we had one once before, and we had moved it, but... It just didn't take. Yeah, it, like it is a bit challenging to keep things like lavender because lavender is borderline hardy. It's a zone five plant. You're in Hamilton. You're probably five or six where you live. So, mm-hmm. so yes, give us a call in the spring. Let us know whether that made it or not. And okay, I've, I've got to check. Thank you very much. Have a Ro- great weekend, Rosalia. Okay. I've, I've got to check my music sheets uh, for later this afternoon. There's a wonderful little tune by Michael Terry uh, oh, yeah. called Rosalie. There you go. Yeah, so there I might, you go. I might be able to play that for you. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining. Joining us here in the morning show with the, uh, or at least the garden show. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you've been doing <laughs> other shows. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing the other show already, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Toronto, uh, Cindy is on the line. Good morning, Cindy. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You Thank too. You. Um, okay. My um, I just my mom just passed, so um, I have uh, I'm living in her home now, mm-hmm. and. Um, I have an umbrella tree mm-hmm. that usually gets cut back, but because she was so ill, we just didn't get enough chance to cut it all back. Mm-hmm. And then the birds started nesting, and now it's this huge ball. My mom always kept it cut back, but I don't know. I, I still hear a bird in there. Huh. But wait, help me understand what's an umbrella tree. So this is something outside. It's, it is. And it's got it, it when it oh, when think. it didn't have the shoots going. Right. It's just like a great big ball. And are the leaves heart shaped? Yes. Okay, so it's a catalpa. It, it's it's what C A T like cat cat A L yeah P as in Paul A catalpa. Okay. 
Okay, okay, and you're right. We often do prune it back very hard in the spring so that it just looks like a little popsicle with with all these little knobby exactly. top on it. And then it grows four feet over the growing season with these massive heart-shaped leaves and, uh, and you know, looks nice. And it's a very can be a very ornamental plant. So it hasn't been trimmed in a couple of years, it sounds like. Uh, not not since last year, like okay. last season. Is it a problem? Like, is it going to interfere with cars getting in or out of the well, driveway? Well, um, the, the man who helps me, he he did cut a bit, just a little bit off the sides because, <clears throat> excuse me, I was worried about birds. Okay. Yeah, and there was a lot of them. It was great. <laughs> that was lovely. Yeah, I was going to say, so what, what are you worried? that the bird... Oh, I don't know when to cut it back. The best time is early in the spring, a really, really hard pruning. If, for whatever reason, you needed to cut it back now, like I say, because it was interfering with getting in and out of the property or the front door. Yeah, we're you, okay. Yeah, you could do that now, but I would leave it if you can, particularly if you've got some birds nesting in there. Let them do their thing. Now, some birds do actually nest late, so it is possible that there are, like I've seen, you know, blue um, blue jays, baby blue jays come out in like August and September, so, you know, who knows who's nesting mm-hmm. in there. I'd leave it alone if I were you, if, if you can. And yeah, then it's I will. And it's very hard pruning. Like, all that that four or five or six feet of growth comes right back yeah. to the to the main so stem. So up to about a third, you could take. It's off? more than a third. More than it's, a third. It's wow. all those branches. So it, it's the funniest looking plant in the spring. It's just a, a yeah, stem. It's bald. And, yeah, and it's bald. It's just got these this knobby top on yeah. it, and you're like, whoa, that doesn't look very nice. But very quickly, it <laughs> will it will okay. all become green. So oh, good yeah. stuff. And of course, remember in the spring we fertilize as well and make sure that it it's not there's no competition with a lawn around the bottom. There's no weeds. It's so, you know, caring for the plant will also be a good thing. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, okay. Cindy. Thank you for uh, being part of the uh, garden show here on this Saturday morning. And we're going to take a, take a little break right here and come back and have a chat with Eleanor calling in from Milton here on Zoomer Radio as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. It's back to the garden show. And as I mentioned, uh, from Milton, here is Eleanor on the line. Good morning, Eleanor. I tried my hand at growing vegetables this year, and my beets came up beautifully. Uh-huh. But they, when you cut into them, there's like a thread, uh, like a piece of wood or a root growing through the middle. And you couldn't even bite it. I mean, you have to cut them, and then you pull the thread, this oh, piece of woodiness in the middle. Huh. And the other thing, I planted parsnips twice. And the last second time, only three seeds came up. Oh, okay. So what? One of the things I find that works well with both parsnips and beets is I will soak the seeds overnight, uh, just in room temperature water, a little bowl of water. Oh, okay. Yeah, drop the seeds in there, let them sit all night. In the morning, drain the water out of the little bowl and go out there and, and plant the what will be wet seeds into moist earth and, of course, water thoroughly uh, after planting. And that will, you'll increase your germination rate by doing that. Oh. Now, now, why the beets ended up so woody? How big are the beets when you're harvesting them? How many inches across are they, the beets? Inches across. Well, the beets when you're harvesting them, how big are oh, they? Harvesting. Oh, they're quite close together. I pulled them, I kind of thinned them a bit, mm-hmm. but they are pretty close together. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so it could be part of why they ended up so what we would call woody. When you have yeah. wo- when your root crops end up woody, it's because as you notice, they're, if they're too close together, they're running into each other and they're lacking for moisture and nutrient because they're all fighting for the same moisture and nutrient. And so sometimes you will get a really tough tasting root vegetable. Carrots the same if they're if they're too close together. So you really do need to be careful when you plant. You know, we want to plant the middle. You you pull this kind of thread out of the middle, and they're beautiful. Oh, good. Well, where did you get the seeds from? Uh, At my nursery over here at Crawford's. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you might want to just keep track of what that variety was that you grew uh, because it'll, it'll have you on this, the package, the seed package, what exactly you grew in the terms of the beets right. mm-hmm. and, and avoid that variety next year and try a different one or speak to the people at the garden center and tell them your experience that you're Ask looking. different people and nobody can tell me what happened. <laughs> no, I just said so you're <laughs> looking. I'm going to phone in you and see if you've heard of this. I would say it's probably yeah. variety specific, not to mention the stress that the plants were under being so close together. So do thin. Uh, okay, thank you very much. During the season. You're, You're welcome. welcome, Eleanor. Thank you for joining I- us here on this Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's go um, a little bit to the east, a little bit to the north. There's Lindsay, Ontario, mm-hmm. where Sandra is. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Good morning. I just wondered how I can protect my bulbs when I plant them. Oh, it's like tulips. From and, the squirrels. Tulips and daffodils, that sort of thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Okay, so one of, one of the things I fe- find works really well is don't let the squirrels see you planting the bulbs. You've got to distract them. If they see you plant them, they will come right in behind you and dig them all up. So get yourself a bag of peanuts or something. Go to the other side of the house. Sprinkle those peanuts. Keep the squirrels busy. Race around to the other side of the house. Get those bulbs in really quick. And don't let it look like you just planted something. Because squirrels are very, very um, curious. Right, So you've got to, after you've planted the bulbs, you know, throw some leaves on top, throw a few branches on top. Don't make it look all clean and tidy like something fresh just went in the ground. <laughs> Cover that fresh earth with what debris is around. And that will, that will mess them up a bit. There are obviously other, you know, mechanical things. You can put chicken wire down as you're planting under the soil, which will keep them from digging them up. There are different sprays, one of which is called plant skid, S-K-Y-D-D, D as in dog, uh, which you can spray to keep the squirrels away. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things. There's those plastic forks from the dollar store buried down with the tines underground, but stopping the squirrels from being able to dig. Rose canes laid on top of the surface slows them down. I mean, there's certain things you can do just to slow them. Cayenne pepper, some people will use, which washes away very quickly in the rain. Um, lots and lots of things. But I just I find distractions the best. If you distract them, they won't know that you planted them. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's okay, peanuts, thank you. Know. you. And, okay, Sandra. And, or, yeah. you know, and honestly, back when Barack Obama was in the White House, I don't know if they still do this, but traditionally the White House has always planted like millions of spring bulbs every right. fall. And in their budget is 10% for the squirrels. So that right oh. away, it's, it's part of the plan. Write that off. Yeah, yeah, you just know whatever you're doing, the squirrels are taking some of them. So p- make that part of the plan. I, I am always, <laughs> when you talk about this, and the, those little beggars, <laughs> I, I can just picture one of the squirrels <laughs> with a pair of binoculars, you know. Exactly. Looking, looking, hey, look, hey, my, Madge, yeah. she's at it again. The network, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On the computer. All right, I'm seeing in quadrant A4, we've got yeah. some daffodils going in. I can see 47 <laughs> over there in that corner. Yeah, and before you know, boom. 
They're all in there. Yeah, yeah. So you just got to, like, don't let them see you. <laughs> okay. All right. Forewarned is forearmed, as they say. Uh, we have to take a break here, uh, and we'll be back to say hi to June in Coburg here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, let's get out to Coburg. Uh, Charlie, there's June. Good morning, June. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good, Good morning. morning. Uh, I, my question is about rhubarb. Mm-hmm. My rhubarb looks great now. It looks better than it has all summer. It's got beautiful green leaves, and it's tall. What do I do with it now? Is, is the season over for rhubarb? Um, well, again, it's interesting how many callers we're, have, we're hearing today that are going, how come it's like spring out there? Yeah, yeah. And you know why? It's just because we've had such mild weather. Mild weather, lots of rain. The plants are just as confused as you are. They don't really know that it's October. As far as they're concerned, it's feeling kind of like June. So they're acting like it. So, I mean, you could harvest, I mean, the younger, some of those younger stalks, and I'm sure you'd find they'd be quite tasty and delicious if, you know, so are, okay. normally they're kind of tired by now, but yeah. we've seen lots of new growth with the, the warm temperatures mm-hmm. and that really, you know, good sort of solid, consistent rain in the last six weeks has been excellent. I mean, look how green the lawns are. Normally they're, they're not nearly this green no. in October. So that tells you we've had lots of rain and good weather. So, yeah, help yourself to some late rhubarb why not okay and then for the winter do, you do, do i just pull the whatever stocks are left and that's it yeah or just leave them alone the you know what they'll just drop in the frost and they okay. will decompose into the soil and add nutrient back around the plant okay. uh whatever debris is there in the spring you can clean up but i'm i'm a pretty lazy gardener when it comes to letting things just drop in the frost and decompose on site Okay. Okay. Uh, All righty, June. Thank you very much. Thanks Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. Before we go to our next caller, you've got an email that you want to deal with, Well, I do, because Mm. um, last week we got a call from Nancy. She was in Burlington, and she was talking about some invasive roots that were growing in her lawn and and her gardens and killing everything, but no idea what those might be. So it was a little bit of a challenge to try and figure out what those invading roots might be coming from. Mm Mm-hmm. So thank you to our listener and email from Brenda, who said that she did hear the call, and she said she had a problem along those same lines uh, in her own yard. Mm -hmm. She called an arborist into her back garden last year, and the arborist identified the black locusts, which is a native tree, very, very fast-growing native tree, was not in her backyard, but it was in the neighbor's backyard, and those roots were coming and causing some problems in her yard just because they're such vigorous roots. Mm -hmm. So he suggested that perhaps she use um, some, if she wanted to, because little suckers and little locust trees were coming up everywhere, that perhaps she wanted to use some Roundup to destroy those locusts from taking over her own garden. And, of course, she said um, apparently the, the property behind where Brenda lives was once an orchard, and black locust was planted as a windbreak around the orchard. And meanwhile, the property was abandoned for future development, but it's turned from a field to a forest in a very short time because these locusts have just 
taken over. over, Right. Right. Like the, imagine the orchard plants Mm -hmm. might even still be there in amongst the locusts. So just a thought, Nancy, that look out beyond your, you know, perimeter. Mm -hmm. Look to see what's out beyond you, what's in the neighbors. Perhaps there is some abandoned space around you. uh, Or speak to some of the people who might have lived there longer than you have. Just to try and get a sense of where these roots could be coming from. And then we're in a better position to to handle getting rid of them. All right? Absolutely great. Thank you very much, Brenda. All righty. Let's see. One squeeze another call in. Sure. From Hagersville, Ontario. We we looked at the map there. North and east of Port Dover's sort of area. And good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling regarding my Austrian pines. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have one and a half acres severed from the farm beside us. Mm -hmm. We planted them about six feet inside our property line away from the farm. And everything went well until it was no longer pasture land was converted to crops. Mm-hmm. In the season, uh, the crops were fertilized two and three times. Mm-hmm. And after that, I noticed my one pine tree right on the very corner was gradually dying off. Later, was totally dead. A uh, second tree lost a few branches. I'm kind of wondering if perhaps the fertilizer contact with the roots uh, might be causing the pine trees to die off. My question is, if I built up the soil level along there before I replanted, would I have a better chance replanting Austrian pines? Uh, well, actually, I would say that likely the fertilizer would not cause the death of the pines, depending on when the fertilizer was applied. So you're right. If these um, the crop was being fertilized through August, as an example, then that could be detrimental to the pines. But any fertilizer prior to August, or and there wouldn't be any fertilizing in October, November, so yeah. anything prior to August would actually technically feed the pines. But is it possible, what was the, I guess the crop is either like a corn, soybean crop rotation? It varies. Yeah. It was corn for quite a number of years, and I know they do very heavy um, yeah. fertilizing for that. Yes. And then the last uh, year or two, they did soybean. Right, okay. So I'm wondering if they are using herbicide to control the weeds in the crop and that you're getting some herbicide drift onto your pines. I wouldn't be surprised because we've got mega weeds here. Right. Yeah. Now there is uh, like Roundup Ready corn, but the soybeans for sure would have been sprayed with even something as simple as um, well. There's there are things out there that they use on soybeans to can like yeah to control weeds mm-hmm. and it doesn't hurt soybeans but hurts everything else and that that could have caused uh, damage to the pines. That would be my thinking. Okay. As long as those are crop, so that's not you cropping. That's somebody else renting that land and cropping well, on they're it. They're the owner of the farm. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you are just trying to provide, like, create a bit of a windbreak or a, a site a break. Yes, exactly. Like these were nice big pine trees, mm. and um, mm. I'm just wondering, is it worth replanting? Hmm. <laughs> Hard to know what to say yeah. there. Yeah. Um, what I would do is maybe take some pictures. And, and can you talk to the owner of the farm and see what the plan is and what their sort of cropping techniques are? And then if you wanted to send me a picture and send me any information that you get, you gain from the farmer regarding fertilizer um, techniques, herbicide, um, uh, sort of 
what they do with their systems, then I could probably give you better suggestions than just sort of off the top of my head. Sure. And I know this could be a coincidence because if I'm watching the other pine trees along there, mm-hmm. they seem to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there you are. And Austrian pine are not a super long-lived plant. But we're out of racetrack, as Frank yeah. would say. i got to go. <laughs> <laughs> the car show gentlemen are revving their motors oh, yes, in the background. The and they are going to run me right over very soon. So I'm going to have to get going. <laughs> Thanks for calling, though, Ann. All righty, Frank. Well, been a busy show, as usual. It has. So that was uh, interesting. We I did that little live hit last week from the um, the cancer event. Yes. Uh, that was quite an interesting event going on. So thank you for that. I know oh, they no. appreciated the, the promotion. Uh, actually, not, it was Sick Children's, my mistake. Mm-hmm. It was a Sick Children's Hospital fundraiser yes. at Fort York. So that was fun. Well, we're going to have lots of fun today. I'm coming back from 1 to 3.30, and uh, I'm really excited about being part and parcel of the JET that will maybe take oh, yeah. you to me. Jamaica. Take me, take Heard, me. Heard uh, one of our listeners, Don, yeah, uh, winning. claimed last Monday as one of the winners. Well, so if you qualify today, you will be in the draw on Monday mornings. So. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm applying to, yeah. if I could. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Sebastian. Everybody, happy Thanksgiving all around. Indeed. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740.